Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's going on, everybody? Back once again for the second of four episodes leading into our week one matchup between our beloved Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions and the uh, second opponent preview episode is brought to you by our good friends at betonline.ag as sports keep coming back so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner betonline.ag major league baseball nba full swing uh don't forget about the nhl getting ready to start the uh conference uh championship rounds uh, over there and of course there was a ufc event uh, this weekend everything uh bet online is uh the place to get and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action and to have all the odds futures prop bets for you to bet on also here we go again tune in as floyd money mayweather joins the bet online team in a new segment called the ice is right or better yet why i had to come out of retirement to fight conor mcgregor where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection he'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling i i just can't anyway visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses bet online your online wagering experts and um you know the uh the roster the 53-man roster was released today. Uh, I'm not going to get into that uh, here in the news segment. We're going to dedicate a whole show to that uh, when I have Lauren Cox on the show uh, on Monday. That will drop on Tuesday, so we'll be breaking down the 53-man roster, uh, talking about our thoughts and opinions on this football team. Um, you know, What do we expect? Are we surprised that the Bears went with Trubisky over Foles? Personally, I'm not. Um, but we'll see, and we'll see what Lauren Cox has to say, and you you know how we get when we get around each other, we get into it. So, uh, you know, we're going to spend a chunk of uh, Labor Day uh, getting after it and talking about the Bears, and then, of course, next Thursday, our good friend Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit and SB Nation will join us to preview the 2020 Lions and Week 1 between the Bears and the Lions to get things going. Uh, today is the 5th of September. We're eight days away from bears lions kicking off the season still doesn't feel like it but can't escape the truth so that's it so all right let's go ahead and dig in we're going to dive right in it's going to be me and chris gates on the other side of this talking about the 2020 minnesota vikings so let's get to it Back for our second of uh, four episodes, getting us ready for the 2020 kickoff, Bears-Lions, which uh, today is the 4th of uh, September. We're nine days away from 
Bears-Lions, and we're nine days away from the kickoff for our guest here, Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman, when his Vikings uh, host the Green Bay Packers week one. Chris, how's it going, man? It is going well, Larry. Well, I mean, as we said before we started talking, it's 2020, so good is a relative term. But it's a it's as, a low bar. It's, it's a low going, bar to to, co- to cover, man. It, it really it's is. going as well as 2020 can be allowed to go at this point, I think. <laughs> and you can interpret that any way you want. I mean, any interpretation would probably be correct or make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So, but but as we were talking just just a moment ago before we started. Uh, recording it's like here we are uh last night should have been if, if everything goes well or if everything was still right with the world and covid wasn't a thing last night would have been the first or excuse me the last preseason game and the discussion would be more about the 53-man cuts and who might be available did so-and-so do enough to make the roster last night and uh and whatnot and, and what i was going to say was i would know who those guys were who are these, uh, you know, these last-minute free agents or these undrafted rookies that have been making a case the last couple of weeks? I have no idea who those guys are this year, Chris, and I don't think really anybody outside of the teams and maybe the few media that are allowed to practices know who those guys trying to make the back half of the roster actually are this year. No, totally agree. I mean, usually we'd be speculating, you know, we'd have an idea, okay, this guy has looked really impressive so far, or this guy hasn't lived up to expectations. And the Vikings released a few guys uh, earlier this week, so they're at 75 rather than 80. I have no idea who the other 22 players are going to get rid of between now and tomorrow with 3 p.m. Central Time are, because, you know, we don't get to see anything. You, you see right. this from the media every once in a while about... I mean, for the Vikings, I know they've mentioned uh, Alexander Hollins, a wide receiver, a few times as somebody that's been impressive and whatnot. But, you know, outside of, like you said, those random little tidbits like that, I have no idea who this team is cutting tomorrow and who's going to be on the final roster. And that's just weird, given the way that uh, things have operated in the NFL over the past few years. Right. I mean, not only will you not know who these guys are, you won't know how to feel about some of these cuts. Like last year, I remember very specifically there was an outside linebacker named James Vauders that, you know, granted he was going up against second, third, fourth string guys, but this guy was always seemed to be there when there was a play to be made, and he looked like he had done enough to actually become, you know, the, the, the number five or four or five, you know, outside linebacker, be a special teams guy and, and whatnot, and a guy that we drafted a couple of years ago, Isaiah Irving, that guy couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat, and somehow he made the roster. James Vauders didn't. He got cut. An offensive lineman, I thought, that had no business on an NFL roster makes the final roster for the Bears, and uh, Alex Bars, uh, an undrafted rookie free agent, gets cut, and thankfully we sign him back to the practice squad. But it's like when I did my episode about the 53-man roster last year, I had opinions and feelings and thoughts on all 53 guys on the roster, and this time, like you said, I don't know who this, because the Bears cut six guys, so I think we're in the 70s, so I don't know who these last 20 guys are going to be or how I'm supposed to feel or how I would normally feel about, you know, like number cut 18 and 19. It's like, no, 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 these guys should be on the team. This guy was playing well. It's like, what, what are we not seeing here that we didn't see in the preseason kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, this year, more than any other years, you have to really 
have faith in your coaching staff and whoever else that they are going to, I mean, obviously they're the guys who have gotten to see the off season workouts or the virtual off season thing that they were doing. I have no idea what that consisted of, but you know, they've, they've seen all the practices they've done the whatever's all the drills and whatever with these guys. So they're really the only people who know what's going on. Like we've said outside of the, you know, couple random media folks that throw two or three tidbits out there. But yeah, if you, if you're a fan of a team then, and you don't have faith in your uh, coaching staff, there are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. To do the job properly and evaluate the people uh, really, really well, you're probably pretty worried going into tomorrow and going into the start of the season because, yeah, it, we don't know. And, you know, we don't know what we don't know, I guess. But right. Coaches are the ones that know. And once those final cuts are made, you just got to kind of sit back and go, yeah, these are the guys, I guess. And <laughs> I guess. We'll it was very. And when I was talking to uh, Evan Western from Acme Packing Company on uh, Wednesday night, he made a great point that this is very much going to feel like um, opening weekend for college football. Because in college football, there's no preseason. The last look that you get at a team before they kick off is like the spring game, which was five months prior uh, and things like that. It's it's very much going to be we have very little input on how this team is being built, who the guys are going to be, who the starters might be, aside from the you know the few press that get to come to practices and let people know, well, this freshman is going to actually be starting and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. And you just come to week one and boom. Here's your team, and this is what we got, and we're going forward with that. That's very much what we as NFL fans are going to have to uh, deal with this year. Like we've had no, you know, no, no discovery on who some of these guys are, or who we cut and who we're missing, who would have made the play there that this guy didn't make, and and things like that. It's like week one. Here's our 53. Deal with it. Yeah, but you know the difference is that unlike the teams in the NCAA, nobody in the NFL is playing like random directional Michigan State University (laughs) or something. These games actually matter. They do. And your 53 guys actually have to perform. They don't get to ease into it. They have to to go out there and kick butt right away or else, you know, the adjustment adjustment period is not there. So, you know, these games count right away and it's just going to be I mean, I, I'm sure some people enjoy it. I mean, I don't think it's going to necessarily be a terrible thing, but, you know, just that evaluation period is just strange not being able to have that. 
Yeah, and and I I would anticipate you know that maybe we'll see a lot of transactions on the back half of the roster, especially like the first five or six weeks of the season. And you know the, the, this guy did well in here, but he got cut by by Minnesota, so D- Detroit's going to pick him up. And this guy uh, missed a block on a on a kick return, so he's gone. And you know I I, I also imagine that the leash on some of these younger guys or these, you know, barely made the rosters guys might be a little short this year because they haven't had a chance. Like, well, that didn't work. So let's go see. Like there might be a lot of knee jerk reaction transactions to kind of make up for the, the, you know, for the regular scouting that wasn't allowed to be done because there were no preseason games this year. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you're going to see a lot of transactions. I know the practice squads are expanded again, so that probably, helps teams quite a bit but yeah there's probably going to be a lot of roster shuffling uh, over these first few weeks and even in the time from you know when final cuts are finished on saturday to the start of the regular season you're going to see a lot of uh, moving and shifting and changing of parts and whatnot but yeah we're uh, it's going to be an interesting season to uh, to say the least i don't i'm not sure exactly how interesting is going to play out but it's going to be interesting one way or another yeah, I mean, and one final before we start actually talking about the Vikings here. It's like you mentioned, uh, we, as, we as fans, there's we don't know what we don't know. And I think that even though a lot of the scouting departments and or the personnel and, you know, general managers and coaching staffs know far more about the guys they have with them that they than we would ever know, especially this year. But because there's no preseason, because there's no you know, sending our guys, our regional scouts out to watch these other preseason games to see who we might be interested. There's a lot of we don't know what we don't know in the NFL because there was no preseason to be able to watch the other games and who might be a better fit for us than he was in Tennessee kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have, you know, like you said, the first five or six weeks, you might have some regular season footage of guys. And, you know, if it's guys that get cut and you're going to be taking a look at them it's likely going to be bad footage because you know they're going to get cut because they did something wrong Wrong. for the most part so yeah it's going to be strange for the scouting departments for the front offices and whatnot but yeah there's a there's going to be some shuffling and we're just going to have to see who uh, does the best job with their personnel and yeah it's going to be strange for everybody and i yeah, but we're just going to have to see how it all plays out. Right. So let's talk about the Vikings, since that's actually why you're here, Chris. Um, um, help me out with this off season that they've had, because I've there's been a lot of I mean, people are kind of high on the Vikings this year, but it's like I'm I'm fighting the thought that the Vikings are not going to be well because I've just kind of had this feeling that the Vikings were. I mean, I've seen a lot of guys leave. I mean, I'm looking at your free agent exits, and let's, I mean, not for, to forget the fact that you guys traded Stephon Diggs, but uh, Trey Waynes is gone, uh, Everson Griffin is gone, Linval Joseph, Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Rhodes. I mean, you guys planning on f- fielding a secondary this year? Is that, or is, you know, does Zimmer have a different philosophy on that? I, I, I mean, it's just, it's just been crazy watching what the Vikings have been doing to fight the feeling that they're, you know, in rebuilding mode this year. I mean, they're. I think they're trying to not so much rebuild as reload on the yeah. fly. 
And you talk about the secondary. Yeah, they lost a lot of experience and a lot of snaps with Rhodes and Waynes and Alexander and whatnot. The other side of that coin is Alexander was solid last year. Uh, Waynes was not very good. And, you know, depending on whose grading system you look at, uh, Rhodes might have been the worst cornerback in the NFL last season. And that, wow. that dude's drop-off from 2017 when he was a first-team All-Pro to 2019 when he was getting just clowned by random Madden creative players off the street on a weekly <laughs> basis. You know, he, he Rhodes and Waynes weren't good last year. And okay. Alexander was decent. And, you know, they drafted two corners in the first three rounds of this last year's draft in right. Jeff Gladney and Cameron Dantzler. Uh, Dantzler has been one of the guys that the media folks have been raving about during camp. I don't know if he's going to end up being a starter right away, but you know, you look at the the guys that have left. You talked about Linval Joseph, and that's that's going to probably, if you look at all the Vikings' departures, I think that's probably going to be the one that ends up hurting the most, uh, particularly in light of the fact that the Vikings won huge free agent signing this past off season and Michael Pierce, who was supposed to be Joseph's replacement, uh, opted out of the season because he's uh, asthmatic and had uh, COVID-19 concerns. So right. yeah. with all the losses, I mean, even, even the loss of Everson Griffin, but I think that the loss of Linval Joseph is going to be the one that hurts the Vikings the most. Uh, that said, if you want somebody to build a defense and you know get things going the right direction there, uh, there are a few guys I would have more faith in to do it than Mike Zimmer, and particularly sure. uh, he's, he's promoted uh, Andre Patterson, who has been one of the best defensive line coaches in the league. Him and uh, linebackers coach Adam Zimmer are going to be your new defensive coordinators this season. So I think... It's going to be, there might be a little bit of a bumpy transition early on, but, you know, with as bad as the Vikings corners were for most of last year, I think that, you know, the secondary is not going to be terrible. It helps that they might have the best safety duo in the league uh, backing up those corners. But I, I think Linval Joseph is probably going to be the loss that they feel the most this year. Sure, sure. I mean, like I said, it's just like you're seeing these names come off the board. And um, as as a Bear fan, you know, I mean, I'm a big NFL fan, but as far like I, I'm not so deep into it that I would have known Xavier Rhodes was one of the worst corners in the league for you guys uh, last year. All I see is former first round pick Mackenzie Alexander was a second round pick. Uh, Trey Waynes was a first round pick. These guys are gone. It's like, what's going on in Minnesota? They're they're trimming. You know, these guys are first round choices and are high draft picks, and they're getting tossed uh, tossed aside here. Or are they making way for for younger guys? Or uh, you know, was there were they were they just not worth the money the other teams were paying them? It's like, what's going on with Minnesota? And then like like you said, Linval Joseph uh, leaves. He heads off to the Chargers, and you know, Everson Griffin. I'm, you know, he's on the north side of 30, so that's not too surprising, but still a big loss for you guys. Like I said, it was hard to fight the feeling that uh, Minnesota might be tanking this year, or not, not so much tanking, but just like I don't, I don't get where everyone's opinion of the Vikings is coming from when all of these guys are disappearing from their roster. No, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that 
you know, for the first time in the Mike Zimmer era, they might actually have to try to lean more on offense than they have on defense. Uh, I mean, people people rip Kirk Cousins all the time, but there are there are significantly worse quarterbacks in the National Football League than Kirk Cousins. Sure. I mean, you know, the, the guy. I, I've said more than once that there is no quarterback in the NFL that gets less credit for his team's success and more blame for their failures than Kirk Cousins does, and you know, I, I stand by that. But <laughs> you know, I mean, we've got. And Cousins is there. Thielen is back and healthy. Uh, Dalvin Cook is uh, in his contract year, and we're going to have to see how that all plays out. But, you know, the Vikings, for the first time since Mike Zimmer came on in 2014, might have to be more of an offensive football team until these younger uh, defensive players get their legs underneath them. And, you know, it's not that the Vikings don't still have a ton of talent because they do. It's yeah. just a matter of how that talent adjusts and, you know, whether the team can actually adapt more of an identity as an offensive team uh, than as a defensive team, which is what they've had since Zimmer came on board. Speaking of offense, uh, we, we mentioned before Stephon Diggs traded uh, to the Buffalo Bills. Was this more of an, a, an addition by subtraction? Because I know he was, you know, an unhappy guy or or was this a this was a deal that was too good to pass up kind of thing for Spielman I think it was a deal that was too good to pass up quite frankly in in light of I think it was the day before that was the was the trade between the uh, Texans and the Cardinals that sent DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona DeAndre Hopkins has been a three or four time first team all pro wide receiver Uh, Stephon Diggs has had a thousand yards receiving in a season once and yet the Vikings managed to finagle a first-round pick out of Buffalo for Diggs, and all the Texans could get for DeAndre Hopkins was, I think it was a second-round pick and, and running David back Johnson. on a terrible contract. Yeah. And, yeah, so I, I, think if they, I think if the Bills hadn't offered the first-rounder for Diggs, I don't think they make that deal. But, you know... Rick Spielman got that offer and said, you know, if he's not going to be happy here, uh, we'll get rid of him and try to reload. And, yeah, I I think it was a case of the deal just being too good to pass up because Diggs is obviously a really good receiver. But, you know, if he wasn't going to be happy here and he was going to be disruptive and the Vikings had the opportunity to get that kind of return for him, yeah, it was probably just too good for him to pass up, I think. I mean, absolutely, you know, great return on investment not only was stefan diggs did he outplay his draft stock which he was what like a fifth round yeah pick fifth round for you guys you know playing you know first i mean like you said he only had a thousand yards once but this was one of the more uh reliable receivers uh in the league when he was on the field so i mean he's definitely a talented player far better than being drafted in the fifth round and your return for him was a first and i think like a fourth or something like that on top of it uh, as well, not to mention you don't have to pay him. So um, yeah. that was, uh, I guess, I, th- I think I agree with you. This is more of a, a deal that was too good to, to pass up, especially with Buffalo dangling a, a first-round pick and that that trade for Hopkins to Arizona. <laughs> yeah, what the hell's that, going on in Houston, that, man? That, that's, that's gonna, that's definitely gonna be an offense to watch this year. I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's definitely gonna be interesting uh, out there uh, in Arizona to see what. Um, 
what what's going to happen, especially with you know Fitzgerald coming back again for like year thirty <laughs> uh, of his career, yeah. and Hopkins is out there, and and uh, Kyler Murray in the second year of the system with with Klingsbury and 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 whatnot. The Cardinals might be a team to look out for mm-hmm. um, this season. So, but um, you know, aside, I mean, and when I mentioned before about the Vikings and you know possible rebuilding and all that nonsense it was because when i looked at your free agent signings if it wasn't you re-signing your own guys michael pierce was basically it uh for you guys as far as free agency this year yeah it was there was michael pierce uh they signed uh tajay sharp the former titans wide receiver to a one-year deal haven't heard anything about him during the uh, the training camp and whatnot so we're not sure if he's going to make the roster but yeah, with the uh, the salary cap situation the Vikings were in, uh, it was basically just try to hold on to your own guys, and they did that for the most part. Uh, the Pierce opt-out is just a bummer because I was looking forward to, to seeing that guy get out there because he's – I know the, the comp to Linval Joseph is going to be out there, but, I mean, it's it really the same situation. I mean, when the Vikings signed Joseph in 2014, he was coming off of his rookie contract. Uh, he was, you know, look, he was developing into one of the best run stoppers in the league. And, you know, Pierce is in the same situation. He went to the Ravens as an undrafted free agent and, you know, was developing. And he got his big second contract. And, you know, with COVID, we're not going to see him until uh, 2021 at the earliest, unfortunately. So, yeah, the Vikings didn't do a lot in free agency. They kept their core guys for the most part. And, you know, with the salary cap stuff being what it was, that was about all you could expect him to do, to be honest. Was he the only one to opt out for you guys? Yes, he was the only opt out for the uh, the Vikings this year. So, yeah, I can't remember. There was like 70 players across the league that opted out. But, yeah, Pierce was the only one that opted out for Minnesota. Yeah, and, of course, ours uh, was our equivalent to Michael Pierce and Eddie Goldman uh, opting out uh, this year. And I think we had a... A safety that we had on a one-year prove-it deal that decided to opt out as uh, as well. And I've had a lot of back and forth talking with friends and whatnot on on what that means. I mean, I know what it means as far as like salary cap. We don't have to pay him this year, or he he gets like a small stipend compared to what his salary would have been. But uh, does that tack on an extra year to the contract? Do you know for sure? Because as like some people say yes, some people say no, and uh, and whatnot. Like the safety Lucas that we signed. He signed a one-year deal for 2020. Does that mean we still own him for 2021? That That's my understanding. When we looked at this thing with the Pierce contract, it was, from my understanding, like basically Pierce signed a three-year deal with the Vikings, so he would have been under contract for 2020, 2021, and 2022. But now that he's opted out, he's essentially under contract to the Vikings for 2021, 2022, and 2023. So, right. yeah, I think that just basically pushes everything back a year it's the same contract essentially but i guess the way to look at it is that the contract essentially doesn't start until 2021 so right. that's, that's been the understanding everyone's had at least as far as i can tell with the uh, the pierce contract is he's signed with the vikings now through 2023 rather than 2022 yeah because my various google searches and conversations with friends has i mean has led and i've read that but i've also read that oh well that he just loses that year and the bears lose that year or you know whoever 
loses that year from that player and all bets are off uh, kind of thing. And there's like, no, actually, it means that this guy adds a year on and things like that. So it's like, I don't know what to believe. Most of what I said, uh, most of what I've read is what you said and what I think is, uh, you know, like we get Eddie Goldman for an extra year. You get um, you get Pierce uh, for an extra year. But we'll uh, we'll have to see how it all uh, shakes out. I haven't seen anything official like from the league that says here's what the opt out actually means. So that's why all the speculation uh, about that. So, yeah. But, um, you know, I just uh, it's it's been interesting. I've, I've always kind of had a soft spot for the Vikings because of my uh, mid-90s love affair with the team while Warren Moon uh, was the quarterback. So I was like, I'm watching all these names walk off the roster and kind of wonder what's going on uh, with Minnesota, especially kind of the um, the way you guys finished out the year last year. And we won't talk about you guys putting the JV squad on the field that just barely lost to the Bears uh, <laughs> last year. I mean, that was nowhere. Like, talk about night and day. You know, the, the end of 2018, the end of 2019, yeah, you guys still lost the game. We, we beat you in the Metrodome, or the Metrodome, but U.S. Bank Stadium uh, again. But, uh, you know, like our, our A starters, the best guys we had to put on the field, barely got one past the JV squad that you guys threw onto the field uh, week 17 in preparation for your game uh, with the Saints. So. Yep. It was it was an odd week. I, it was like, yeah, we won. We finished in 500, so we don't have a losing record. But did we win? Did we really? You know, it doesn't feel like it. So, you know, how how what were you thinking about? I mean, was it was it a total write off game? Was it a preseason game for you guys getting ready? Because knowing that you're in the playoffs, no matter what happens, you're going to New Orleans, no matter what happens. Any feelings on how that game went for you guys? I mean, it really was. I mean, it was kind of cool getting to see some of the guys that don't get a lot of playing time actually get out on the field. Uh, you know, we learned that if the Vikings have to play Sean Mannion, at quarterback, for an extended period of time, they're a 4-12 and football team because Sean Mannion is not good. Um, but, you know, getting getting to see a lot of the younger guys and the players that don't get a lot of playing time was interesting i mean yeah it was just kind of a thing that happened between losing to the packers in week 16 and then uh, going to play the saints in the playoffs i mean we didn't know who we were playing in the playoffs we knew that we were locked into the sixth spot because we couldn't move our seating anywhere but yeah i mean it was it was kind of a write-off it would have been cool to win that game but you know it was not a it was not a big deal that we didn't because yeah, there was really nothing that was going to be affected by it. <laughs> Taking a quick break from the show to address our sponsors. Of course, we have BetOnline.ag, uh, our exclusive wagering partner for the Armchair uh, Media Network. Uh, sports keep coming back. So does your chance to bet on them with BetOnline.ag. Uh, with so many things, I mean, college football, Major League Baseball, the NBA in full swing with the playoffs and uh, the NHL. No shortage of ways to get in on the action. Bet Online has all the odds, futures, and prop bets for you to bet on. Also, tune in to Floyd Money Mayweather uh, as he joins Bet Online team, the Bet Online team, in a new segment called "Who Gives a Flying." money mayweather where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection god help us all he'll give you a chance to bet you know what here let me tell you something guys 
I had just I just have a huge problem with this. This is why I kind of struggle with it. I'm not trying to be cute or have fun with this or anything like that. I seriously this is insulting to me. It really really is for somebody to flaunt their their wealth. I mean, this is this is a prime example of when wealth is wasted on the wealthy. I mean, this guy has all or he had anyway cuz like I said, top of the show because he's pissing all of his money away on this stupid jewelry collection and his $5 million cars that are barely street legal and things like that. Number one, he's got to do something stupid like this. And number two, he's got to come out of retirement and risk his lifelong undefeated record against uh, Conor McGregor because he can make $400 million when he owes like $200 million in taxes uh, and things like that. So I have no love whatsoever for for Floyd Money Mayweather, and I think this this thing with Bet Online AG is an absolute joke. I think it's a joke, but nonetheless, you know, and I'm not just saying this. These guys are a great sponsor. It's a great site. You can have lots of fun betting on things. So check out uh, <laughs> check out Bet Online AG to check out all the odds and up to date uh, sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back uh, sports bonuses. I mean, they sponsor us. They sponsor the show. So I'm appreciative of that. But this Floyd Money, Floyd Money Mayweather thing is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, anyway, um, so check them out because it's a, it's a good site. They sponsor the show. They sponsor the network. So all the love and respect for Bet Online AG. But this is they went off the rails with this one. Uh, Bet Online, your online wagering experts. The show is also sponsored by Manscaped. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control, but there is one thing you can control, and that's shaving your bush. I love that that's in the copy. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. And uh, if Manscaped can hear this, I'm going to need another care package because I got the 2.0, man. So if this is 3.0, I, I can't... I can't talk about it if I don't know what's what's going on here. So how about another care pouch and uh, you know so I can test the 3.0. Their ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low. The lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat because why wouldn't you? Uh, they also just released Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is the perfect add-on to the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, and fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Um, you know, so your nails won't be too abrasive when you and your boyfriend are hugging each other. The Shears 2.0 Nail Kit allows you to pluck your eyebrows and trim your nails in style. Therein lies my point. On their website, you'll also find the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. This will help you tame that summer swamp ass and natural hydrators with natural hydrators and antioxidants. You'll also find the Crop Reliever, Reviver, excuse me, Crop Reviver, a testy toner that, that's like having cologne that is designed for your balls. Uh, we won't judge you if we catch you sniffing yourself. Yeah, we totally will. Go to manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing products, 
In fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off in free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the comb, the code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk. And now that I'm done with that, let's get back to the show. You were nine and seven last year? Ten and six. Ten and six. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have it in front of me. Sorry. Um, Sorry. No, it just, um, yeah, because I just, because that was a lot of, of how I felt about the Bears in general last year was we only had like two, maybe three solid, like you feel good about it victories mm-hmm. last year. There was a lot of yeah, but going on with with the with those wins. Like, yeah, we beat Denver week two, but if not for that bogus pass, you know, roughing the passer call, you know, we're dead in the water on that drive. Uh, yeah, we beat the we beat the Giants, but Saquon Barkley wasn't playing. This guy wasn't there. You know, they're one of the worst teams in the league. And we struggled at the end to close them down. Things like that kept coming up as far as like the win. There was always a reason to just kind of come away with this like foul taste in your mouth, this bitter taste, you know, of of, of a victory. And then was was that going on much with the Vikings? Last year, was it was it a good 10 wins, or was it like, man, we were lucky to win 10 games, or were there some yeah-but victories in there for you guys? I mean, I think for the most part, most of the wins were pretty good, pretty solid victories. I mean, we did have the game against Denver where they went into the half down 20 points at home to a team that they were a double-digit favorite against going in. Uh, they did manage to come back and win that game. It was like the third right. fourth biggest comeback in vikings history in the regular season but you know obviously people were happy about it but on the other hand you're like you know the broncos aren't that good why were we down 20 points to the broncos in the first half in the first place at home and you know you come i mean obviously you come back and win it's great but you know you question a few things here and there um i'm trying to think back to the losses uh we had the week two loss in green bay where you know conceivably they could have won but cousins threw the pick at the end and everyone was angry uh the week four loss at chicago because we win at chicago like once every 10 years like we said and you know you knock trubisky out on the first series of the game and you think things might uh might be going chicago's way i mean you never minnesota's way you obviously never want to see people get injured but you would think you would have a better chance against the backup quarterback than you do against the starter and it turns out that no the legendary chase daniel came in and marched the Bears down the field and got them to a victory. So that was that was a loss I think people were kind of unhappy with. And mm. then they then the Vikings lost on a Monday night in Seattle. And losing in Seattle is becoming the same sort of tradition that losing in Chicago is at this point for the Vikings. <laughs> I, I can't even remember the last time the Vikings won in Seattle. It's been a long, long time. But And then obviously the other loss to, uh, to Green Bay uh, with the potential to – you know, stay in the NFC North title picture. Uh, I mean, they probably still wouldn't have won the division, even if they had beaten the Packers, because they would have needed the Packers to lose in Week 17 as well. But, you know, I I think most of the Vikings' wins, for the most part, in 2019, gave fans reason to feel pretty good about uh, how things had gone and whatnot. So I, I think it was a decent 10-6 and six last season. Obviously, it could have been better, but, you know, it, it it was what it was, and you know, for the most part, it was pretty enjoyable. Yeah, I'm and I'm 
kudos to you guys for pulling that off and because uh, i'm sure you you remember or you know how excited bear fans were uh going into uh 2019 um you know expectations from you know another playoff repeat to super bowl aspirations uh and whatnot and those hopes being dashed pretty much right away week one against the um packers when uh you know, we got the defense we were expecting to to get five sacks on Rodgers. We only allowed ten points, and somehow you come away from that game thinking we still got our asses kicked somehow uh, in that one. You know, you hold them to forty yards rushing. Aaron Rodgers, uh, five sacks. He hold the, his offense to ten points, and we lose. Like we're some, we're not doing it right. That's not how that's supposed to go. So, um, and then like I said, yeah, we got victories, but yeah, and then this one. Eh, and the, honestly, the Vikings victory week four was probably the best that we felt about a win up to that point. It's like I think even week three against the Redskins, hey, we got out to this big lead, and then the defense had to shut them down in the fourth quarter to actually stop them from being within one score with half the fourth quarter to go and uh, and things like that. So you kind of had this bitter taste in your mouth about that one uh, and everything. And it was like it felt like more of a dominant full team win. Uh, against the Vikings week four, despite Mitch's injury, the defense played out of its mind uh, in that game. Dalvin Cook, who was the greatest running back in the history of football going into <laughs> that game, was a non-factor yep. uh, in it. And, you know, it just that was like, yeah, here's our defense. This is what we were looking for. This is what we were expecting from these guys. Yeah, we only scored 16 points, but that defense held this Vikings offense to only six. I mean, that was a good win for us and then the rest of the season followed off and there was a lot of more yeah but victories and we somehow we were a bad football team and we won eight games imagine if we were mediocre on offense last year what we could have gotten done so it just uh it's it was one of those years man it really was and um you know for the vikings to to kind of what you guys lose both your last games yeah we lost uh week 16 to the packers and then we lost to uh to you guys in week 17 so yeah, we were ten and four going into the last two weeks of the season. Right. But yeah, that uh, yeah that ended the way it did, and you know that's why that uh, week seventeen game really didn't matter, and we got the uh, the B squad out there. So right. yeah, <laughs> I would actually call it more of a B minus C plus squad, <laughs> uh, actually, for the people that you had out there. But yeah, here's this guy that's got two picks on Mitch, and this this defensive end who won't be playing football ever again in his life sacks Mitch like two or three times in it yeah. and it's like we're just barely getting by against this team that most of these guys will be unemployed tomorrow but yeah they're kicking the hell out of us uh yeah. today that's uh, that's fun so and then we somehow managed to uh to win it there but um the cherry on top for the season going into one of the um the one of the ugliest uh, stadiums in the league as far as visiting teams are concerned and coming away with a big win in New Orleans over the uh, over the Saints. I mean, this was supposed to be kind of a laugher of a game. Drew Brees and you know all those and those guys uh, supposed to easily get past you, and yet you shut them down and win it. It was an overtime game, wasn't it? Yep, they went into overtime. the uh, The Vikings got the first possession in overtime, and that was all it took because the Vikings went down the field and scored. So, yeah, it was a uh, an overtime victory for Minnesota another another playoff loss for the saints fans to swallow uh and another heartbreaker to the vikings 
uh, as well. You have, you know, the Miracle in Minneapolis or the Minneapolis Miracle, uh, you know, Stephon Diggs and that crazy touchdown, uh, you know, reception there where the Saints, you know, were making travel plans to Philadelphia uh, for that one. And, uh, you know, then last last year with uh, was Kyle Rudolph scored the game winner uh, there at the end. It's like, man, would it just suck to be a Saints fan to have all this promise and like, yeah, we're in the playoffs. We're going to do it this year. And just the playoffs has got to be like hell on earth for a Saints fan. Don't you think? I mean, the, losing to you guys the way they did a few years ago, then the year before the that you know the pass interference non-call in the nfc championship game that would have easily sent them to the super bowl and then last year you know a, a six seed coming in uh as a road team and uh beating you guys or beating them in overtime it just it would just suck i mean you have to hide the razor blades during the playoffs if i'm a, if i'm a saints fan yeah that's terrible you hate to see it <laughs> so yeah anyway um <laughs> no, you, you don't hate to see that because we still hate the Saints for two of course. Nine, so you know they can they can piss off for the most part. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, yeah that that game wasn't uh, one that the Vikings were giving much of a chance in. I believe they were a touchdown underdog, and you know things got off to a bad start because on the Vikings' first possession, uh, Adam Thielen fumbled one away and put the Saints into a uh, scoring position, and you know it it gave you that feeling of uh here we go again kind of because we've seen our share of bad vikings playoff losses over the years but you know they got it together and did everything they needed to do and yeah that uh that one drive in overtime gave uh gave the vikings the win and then they went on to san francisco and got uh got stomped but uh yeah it was it was a lot of fun to watch it's always fun winning playoff games obviously but yeah that uh it was definitely uh, something to see going into, as you said, one of the most uh, hostile environments in the NFL and coming away with a uh, victory. That was the word I was looking for, hostile yeah. um, environments for sure. So as we, 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 we talked about before, not a very active offseason as far as free agency uh, for the Vikings because of your salary cap situation. Uh, saw a lot of guys exit that, you know, or at least – names people that would be recognized uh, to the to the casual uh you know fan uh and, and whatnot but uh you guys were busy to say the least uh during the draft um <laughs> let's see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven what, what, 14 draft 15. picks 15 excuse 15. me i missed one yep sorry but well, we 15 have, we draft already, picks we have already cut one of them so okay yeah. Yeah, we're down to but, 14 for now. Oh, so you're down to 14. Okay. Yeah, we drafted, gotcha. fifth, yeah, we drafted 15, and uh, safety Brian Cole, who is one of the seventh-rounders, has already been uh, released. So, yeah, 14 of the 15 picks are still. Well, I shouldn't say that because uh, Kenny Willickis, another seventh-round pick, uh, apparently tore his ACL during one of the late practices, so he's on IR. So 13 of the 15 are still uh, active in uh, camp and whatnot and we'll see how many of them make the uh, final roster when the final cuts come out tomorrow right so first rounder you got two thanks to the stefan Diggs trade you got justin jefferson the wide receiver out of lsu a big uh a lot of people like him mm -hmm. uh, a lot a definite replacement for Diggs uh on the offense and then as you uh, we talked about before jeff gladden at the corner out of tcu at 31 uh, second rounder Ezra Cleveland, a tackle out of Boise State, 
your only second-round pick, uh, your only third-rounder we talked about before, Cameron Dantzler, the corner out of Mississippi State. And then after that, it's multiple picks in every round throughout the rest of the draft. Yeah, Rick Spielman uh, did what Rick Spielman does and amassed uh, a ton of day three picks. And, you know, if, if you get enough of them, you throw enough uh, stuff at the wall, I guess eventually, you know, things are going to happen. So, yeah, the day three of the draft was uh, interesting this past April, to, uh, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, it was... Um... It was interesting to watch. I mean, hell, it's it's a philosophy that worked for the Vi- or excuse me, the Packers, for years. You know, that's how they got guys like Devontae Adams and 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 Cobb and uh, and whatnot. It's like because they kept trading back and amassing. Like, well, we got three fourth round picks. One of them is bound to stick, and and that fourth round pick would be the guy that was terrorizing the NFC North for three or four years in his rookie contract, uh, kind of thing. So. Maybe it's something that could work out for you guys as well, considering that 11 of your 15 picks were day three guys. Excuse me, 12. Because the third round is... No, it's... Yeah. Second and third round is day two. So 11 of the 15 are day three uh, picks. So any anybody in that batch of 11 guys, which is basically a team all into itself, yeah. um, that you're excited about? Um, a couple of the fourth rounders... Uh... There was a James Lynch, the defensive lineman out of Baylor. Uh, I thought he might have had an opportunity to make an impact early. Haven't heard anything really about him uh, in camp this year, but he was the Big 12 uh, defensive player of the year last year. I believe he led the Big 12 in sacks, and I thought it would have been interesting because I believe he played a lot of defensive end at Baylor, but I believe people were uh, projecting him to be more of a defensive tackle at the NFL level. So it would have been interesting to see him get an opportunity at the uh, the three tech spot. Uh, the other one is uh, Troy Dye, the uh, linebacker out of uh, Oregon. Uh, from hearing people talk about him, he could uh, wind up being one of those kind of hybrid uh, safety linebacker type players that seem to be all the rage now. Uh, apparently, his cover skills are really really outstanding. <coughs> And, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how these younger guys work into the defense. Um, Like I said, a couple of the seventh-rounders are already out of the picture um, for this season anyway, at least in uh, Willekes' case. But, yeah, out of those day three picks, I think those are probably the two guys that that I would have the most excitement about. And how about your uh, your top picks, Jefferson and and, uh, Gladnett? Hearing good things about them so far? Uh, Jefferson, I think, is uh, going to be pretty solid. I mean, he's coming into a situation where he's not going to be expected to be the number one guy because, that, obviously, that's Adam Thielen's job. Right. Uh, the Vikings are going to probably continue to use a lot of multiple tight end sets. But, you know, Jefferson, I think, is going to work his way into the lineup. I mean, he had a great season at LSU in his final season. I believe he led the nation in uh, receptions or touchdown receptions or both. Because he scored like 18 touchdowns last year in that just insane LSU offense, which was mm. pretty nice. Yeah, I think in that, I think in one of those playoff games, he had like four touchdowns in the first half, or just something nuts. I think that was the yeah, uh, yeah. the I, whoever they played in the first round. I think it was Oklahoma or something yeah, like that. They played in the they just, they first just, round. Yeah, they just smoked Oklahoma that game. But mm. yeah, um, Gladney, I have. I haven't heard as much about Gladney as we've heard about Dantzler. That doesn't mean that Gladney's doing badly, I don't think, necessarily. But, 
you know, Dantzler has apparently been one of the stars of camp, which is interesting that, you know, he fell all the way to the third round because, uh, I guess at the scouting combine, his 40 time was not uh, what anybody was expecting it to be. But, you know, if you look at his game film from last year, he played all those games in the SEC against guys that are going to be, you know, first and second round picks and was, you know, doing the job against those guys. So, uh, he he could end up being one of the biggest surprises, and yeah, I'm not sure uh, what to make of everybody else because, as we've said, we haven't gotten a chance to see anybody, so nobody <laughs> really knows for sure. So, but those are the impressions that I've gotten so far in the limited data that we've gotten. Yeah, we've we've got a similar situation as well. Apparently, one of our fifth round picks, um, Darnell Mooney, uh, a wide receiver that we got. Uh, apparently is having a hell of a camp. Like he's he's been a star uh, for us uh, so far, which is going to make things interesting when the, when the cuts come out uh, tomorrow because we've got a pretty packed pretty packed wide receiver room and there's there's not a lot of room for for cuts there. And you know where is he going to factor into that? And if he's going to be a gem for us, then whose job does that cost? You know, kind of thing. So it's uh, yeah, interesting that. Um, who who kind of comes out and who you hear things about in, in these type of uh, type of situations. We've heard good things about Cole Komet, who was our top pick in the second round because we had no first rounder our last year without a first rounder for the Khalil Mack uh, trade uh, and everything. And they've I think they've been slowly bringing Jalen Johnson, our other second rounder, a, along uh, while he was recovering from shoulder shoulder surgery. So mm-hmm. we'll see how uh, how those guys. Uh, end up uh, going because I don't think we had a third rounder this year and then we gave up our fourth rounder for Nick Foles and kind of went forward from there so it was a lot of fifth, sixth, and seventh round guys to round out the draft after our top two picks uh, this year so we'll see like like, like we talked about before we won't find out for sure if these guys are going to be any kind of contributor and and week one's not going to be a good barometer for that Either. I mean, we might have a certain thing set in mind for who, you know, we're, we're going to attack the Lions this way, and maybe Cole Komet and Mooney don't factor into that. It's going to be a lot of running the football or a lot of trying to outthrow this new secondary or testing, you know, uh, Okuda from, the, you know, from Ohio State, their top pick, and going after him with Allen Robinson and blah, blah, blah. Who knows kind of thing. We'll see. So I think the big headline for the Bears and Lions is whoever our starting quarterback is going to be because that's <laughs> definitely going to be a story. Yep. Uh, week one. So, but uh, looking at the the schedule real quick as we start to wrap things up here, uh, Chris, the uh, the Vikings start as we said in at home with the um, with the Packers, and it just jumped off my screen. I just had it here a second ago, but um, here we go. Getting back to it, and um, all right, and there's the schedule. Then at at Indianapolis, home for Tennessee, at Houston. Oh, goody, at Seattle. So you got that to look forward to week five. Yep, in prime time again because that's a yeah. uh, Sunday awesome. night, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, then home for Atlanta. Then you finish up early with Green Bay. Yep. Um, at Green Bay to finish up there. And then home for Detroit. Oh, and there's a bye week in the middle there. You got week what, week seven off yeah, this right, year? Right after, right after the Falcons game is the bye week. Yeah. yeah. And then our first matchup on Monday night in Chicago, <sighs> November 16th. 
And yeah, um, Monday night in Chicago. What's the worst thing? Wait, wait a minute, Chris. Chris, the schedule is broken, man. It doesn't have us week seventeen in in Minnesota. Somebody got this wrong. No, but if you'll notice, the Vikings' last home game at U.S. Bank Stadium <laughs> for the fifth year in a row. I'm just seeing that will be Vikings Bears because the Vikings' final two games are on the road. So yeah, yeah, the last game for the regular season at U.S. Bank Stadium will once again be the bears chicago bears <laughs> i don't know why this keeps happening but it I, <laughs> so maybe that's what it was the the re, <laughs> the way that they scheduled it the the vikings last home game is week 15 instead of week 17 so that's why the bears aren't in there to close yeah. out the year i just seeing that for the first time i because i've only been looking at this from the bears side of things that were actually playing at home against the packers uh, this year that's how we're closing we're number one we're at home week 17 and it's green bay instead of minnesota i didn't i wasn't looking at this from your side where it's like yeah we're not playing week 17 but it's still the last home game of the year because our last two games are on the road that yeah. is hilarious yeah the vikings get the uh, the bears at week uh, 15 and yeah then they have christmas day in new orleans and then they finish uh, at detroit so yeah this wow. is uh this is the first time since, well, 2015 we played at Green Bay to finish the season. But, mm-hmm. yeah, every year U.S. Bank Stadium has been in existence. The Bears will have been the uh, <laughs> final home game of the regular season for crazy. Minnesota, which that's is weird. Crazy. But that's just the way the NFL's done it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and probably due in part to that um, the you got three home games in a row, November 22nd, 29th, and December Six, you got Dallas, Carolina, and Jacksonville before going on the road to Tampa Bay and then coming home for the Bears week 15 to wrap up your home schedule. So it's an interesting looking schedule. I mean, it's, it's, and it's, and I say it's interesting for everybody in the North because we have both South divisions this year the AFC South, the NFC South. So we got the Saints, we got the, the Tom Brady led Buccaneers, we got the Teddy Bridgewater led. Carolina Panthers with their new head coach and and those movements and uh, and everything and then you got the South where the Colts uh, how are they going to look with Philip Rivers um, you know what are the Texans going to be like without Hopkins and how will that help and or hurt Deshaun Watson I think most of us would agree it's probably going to hurt him yep. and Jacksonville after their fire sale are they even going to field a team uh, this year I mean is it even worth it I mean, they, I mean they're pretty much planning on tanking for uh, Trevor Lawrence looks like to me uh anyway and then you have the titans who damn near went to the super bowl uh last year so there's a lot of you know and and that's just looking at last year what are these guys going to look like this year and i'm really wondering really wondering because you're you're worried about how going on the road to seattle might affect you guys that might be a non-factor in the covid in covid world when you don't have 70 80,000 screaming Seahawks fans breathing down your neck. Yeah, the the Seahawks have already said we did a post on this a while back. We looked at all the attendance policies for all the teams that the Vikings are going to play this year. Uh yeah, the Seahawks have already said that their first three home games which encompasses the Vikings game are not going to have anyone in attendance. Uh so far it looks like the only games that the Vikings are going to play this year uh that might well that, as things stand right now uh, there's going to be people in Indianapolis for week two. I think they said they're going to have their stadium at like 25% capacity. 
Uh, Houston, I don't think, has made a decision yet. They said they're not going to have anybody there for their home opener in week two. But uh, beyond that, there's nothing. Uh, the Bears have already said they're not going to have anybody at Soldier Field all season, apparently, yeah. because Illinois being what it is. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the Vikings, we don't know if they're going to have people in the stands after their first two home games or not. It just uh, depends on how things flow. But yeah, that uh, that Sunday night game at Seattle, there's not going to be anyone in the stands watching. So, I mean, maybe that'll help. We'll, we'll see. I mean, it, it can't get any worse than it's gotten. But then again, you know, maybe it can. But yeah, that's uh, it's going to be interesting to see these games. I mean, apparently there's going to be crowd noise piped in at all the stadiums and whatnot. But yeah, I, I don't know how much piped in crowd noise is going to affect anybody. So we're just going to have to see how it all goes. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see if if it could just be completely upside down with no fans in the stands. You know, some players feed off of that and. Uh, and all that kind of stuff. You're certainly not going to have to worry about trying to quiet the fans down when you're at the line of scrimmage on third and inches or, or anything uh, like that. That's not going to be a factor pretty much anywhere in the league this year, fans or not, because nobody's going to be at full capacity unless a miracle cure comes in the next five days. Yep. Um, you know, that's just not going to happen uh, this year. So uh, I'm interested to see how it's going to affect um these teams and and how it's going to be will there be such thing as a home field advantage outside of one treat one team traveled the other one didn't kind of thing because that right now as far as covid is concerned that truly seems like the only advantage the home team has i slept in my own bed last night and i'm playing football today as opposed to you having to travel across the country sleep in a hotel you know sleeping in an unfamiliar bed i don't know about you but i never sleep well in a hotel or in a strange house or anything like that. So, you know, maybe that's the case for some players out there. I mean, I'm sure, and I knew some guys that could sleep on broken bottles in the ground, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, they sleep well anywhere. But, uh, you know, some guys out there, the good night's sleep the night before has a lot to do with how I'm going to end up playing on on Sunday. And, And I'm interested to see how all those things factor into wins and losses in 2020. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, Teams like the Vikings, who have the uh, the kind of louder stadiums and whatnot, might be at kind of a disadvantage. But you know, then again, like you said, there's the uh, the travel that might sort of balance that out. And yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, nobody can be sure how teams are going to react to any of this, to be honest. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll just have to see how it all plays out here. I think. So what uh, what's the forecast uh, for for Minnesota? this year and uh you know what do you what do you what do you as a fan think what's the what's the buzz out there because i think that everyone's kind of setting the bar for the bears at like 7.5 this year so we're either going to win seven or eight games is what people are saying where's it at for the vikings i think most of the over-unders i've seen for the vikings are either at uh, eight and a half or nine somewhere Mm -hmm. in that area i i think this team still has enough talent to get to 10 wins i think they uh, make their way back into the playoffs again this year whether whether they win the nfc north i don't know if that's going to happen or not because i mean i think we all kind of expect green bay to regress a little bit sure it's going to be just a matter of whether any other teams can take advantage of that and you know climb up into that top spot but you know the the playoffs have expanded this year it is seven teams on each side now so that right. uh, that's right that's a little bit more of an opportunity to make the postseason but yeah 
that uh, I think the Vikings still get to 10 wins. I'm not sure where those 10 wins come from, but I think the Vikings still manage to get there and uh, in some way, shape, or form make their way into the uh, playoffs again here in 2020. And from there, we'll just see what happens. Yeah, we definitely will see what happens. I think it's, what, week what nine or ten that we'll see each other for the first time this year. So it'll be a long time, no talk. And, and boy, we'll, we'll, I'm really wondering to see what kind of world we're living in when we talk in another ten weeks or so. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, I think it's the think it's week ten, Monday night in Chicago, the uh, the only Monday night game this year for the Vikings, which I have no problem with, but you know I'm sure other people might. But yeah, it's uh, we'll we'll see how things have changed, and hopefully things will have changed for the better. And yeah, we'll uh, we will definitely be talking at that point. All right. Well, as usual, we look forward to having you back on, Chris. And like I said, I've always kind of had a soft spot. For the Vikings, so I wish you guys well, except for the uh, <laughs> except for Week Ten on Monday in Chicago, which who knows we might be living in the upside down world where Minnesota wins in in Chicago and Chicago n- makes it a three game win streak in in Minnesota in in the season in the home finale there uh, Week Fifteen. So, but uh, we look forward to uh, to talking to get ready for that uh, Monday nighter. Yep, we will definitely be looking forward to that one, and yeah, it, it's going to be a strange and different season. That's that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, Chris, where uh, where else can we keep up with you online? Are you doing any podcasts, that kind of thing? Uh, not. Uh, I think I'm one of three people on NFL social media that doesn't have their own podcast yet. And I'm <laughs> that because I'd rather just do stuff like this where I talk to others. Sure. That I think people would be bored with my podcast inside of about two weeks but yeah uh just at the daily norseman.com we put all the uh, the stories and all the news and reactions to it up there and uh at daily norseman on the twitter machine and that's uh that's pretty much everywhere for us all right well chris like i said we look forward to talking to you to get ready for uh week 10 best of luck along the way and hopefully you guys can stay healthy this year yep best of luck to you guys too larry i hope you uh Hope you're successful, except for, you know, like you said, the uh, the two games against the Vikings. And not so successful that you keep the Vikings from winning the North or anything like right, that. Right, right. Well, of course not. Relative amounts of success. Sure, yeah, relative, of course. You know, I don't I don't want you guys to suck, but I don't need you guys to be world champions either. So yeah, totally. That, we'll go with that on that. All right, Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman helping us out, previewing the 2020 Minnesota Vikings. As usual, I want to thank our guest, Chris Gates, from the Daily Norseman for uh, taking out some time uh, on a work day on Friday, right there in the middle of the day. I used my lunch break to do that uh, uh, interview and uh, talk to us about the uh, the Vikings and this upcoming season and this upside-down world uh, that we're living in. And, and, you know, we talked about how home field advantage may or may not be a factor. You know, you're going into the Superdome that may or may not have fans if they are, there's only 20%, and, you know, it just it will not be the same. It's going to be really, really weird watching football uh, with no fans because that's so much a part of the, of the game itself, of the experience, whether you're there or, on, whether, or at home watching it on TV. I really feel like something's going to be missing. And, um, yeah, I don't know. And, and we'll, we'll see how it all changes and, 
and and, and how like uh, you know we talked about the home field advantage and will will there be an advantage other than the fact that the home team got to sleep in their own beds last night uh, you know will there be an advantage other than that who knows we'll have to uh wait and check that out but um really interesting that this uh this that element that the corona thing and you know adds to this whole thing and, and how teams will respond to it some may respond better than others and then god forbid if people start getting uh contracting the virus they have to be in quarantine and they're going to miss games and uh so on and so forth and if one guy's infected does the whole team have to be quarantined or you know it's just that it's it's going to be it's going to be a mess it's going to be a logistical uh nightmare it's going to be a pain in the ass but then again that is literally all 2020 has been since about mid to late february i mean it's been nothing but a grab you by the balls and squeeze kind of year uh it really has been so um thanks again to chris for coming on the show thanks to everybody who downloaded the first episode uh between myself and evan western talking about the uh the packers it's it's uh it's good to be back and i'm glad you guys are still there uh to listen to me and my nonsense and and uh uh you know enjoy my conversations with my guests um it feels good to be back uh to be honest with you i was kind of fighting this all along but uh you know because i I really didn't want to get into it if there wasn't going to be uh football and i will be supremely disappointed if this COVID thing, we have to put a stop to the season or take a break or whatever because, you know, too many teams are going down or we're losing too many players because of COVID and uh, things like that. So I, I really hope that uh, it's like uh, Major League Baseball. And actually, I, I take that back. I hope it's like the NBA because once they got in the bubble and they spent the time quarantining and spending all that, you know, all that stuff there, I haven't heard of anyone contracting the disease since the, or the virus i should say since they since they started playing i don't really think that anybody's been has gotten sick and i think the only people that have gotten into any kind of trouble are the ones that were stupid enough to leave the bubble and i think that's maybe been like a handful of guys the whole couple of months they've been at this so even though it's a much much smaller amount of people that it takes to put on a basketball game than it does to put on a football game I hope it goes like it does for the end, like it's been going for the NBA. I hope that's how it happens for the NFL so we can have an uninterrupted season. And maybe as the season goes along, we can start filtering in fans and get that real NFL experience back into it uh, before too long. So if not, we'll take what we can get. Our beloved take the field in eight days, and uh, it's real. So we'll take it from there. So. Real quick before I let you guys go, of course, we're, we're going to have Lauren Cox on the show Monday to uh, to preview the 2020 Bears. That includes talking about the 53-man uh, roster, which dropped uh, earlier today. The Bears are one of the last teams, I think, to officially announce uh, their 53-man roster. Uh, I wanted to save Lauren until Monday because that will also give the Bears time to uh, complete their practice squad. Uh, a lot of the players that were cut today are probably going to be brought back uh, because of COVID. Well, like the collective bargaining agreement, they were gonna it was going to increase the practice squad from 10 to 12. But now because of COVID, it's actually going to be 16. There's going to be an extra four guys added to the practice squad because of COVID in case they lose people or 
or anything uh, like that. So that could be interesting to see how how that is used and the strategy used in order to get guys, um, you know, to keep on the on the practice squad. I think that I, the other thing I heard is that up to four guys would be protected because the practice squad guys can be signed by another team at any time. They're basically they're like non-exclusive uh, free agents, I guess, you know, or it's like they're playing for the Bears, but they can play for anybody if you're going to sign me to your main roster. Say, and I think that like you can protect four guys from being signed by other teams. It's it's uh, it's a it's a weird situation. But that's what's going on with the practice squad. So we should have the 53-man roster plus the other 16-man practice squad by the time we have Lauren on the show. And then, as I, as I said earlier, Jeremy Reisman will be back on Thursday. Preview the Lions. Preview week one between our two squads. So I think that's going to be it. Uh, and real quick, guys, uh, if in case you noticed, and some of you probably did, some of you didn't, quality of the interview itself as far as like the audio not that great uh for some reason when i downloaded an update to my skype recorder it like reset all my settings so it, it had the thing i mean for any for your audio files you'll understand this but the bit rate was wrong it was it just anything and trying to convert it to a regular mp3 uh bit rate is why it sounds kind of funky there so in case you picked up on that i apologize I'm one of those people that notices things like that and it bugs me, so I'm apologizing for those of you who did notice. And for those of you who didn't, never mind. Forget what I just said. So, Anyway, we'll be back on Tuesday uh, with Lauren Cox to preview the Bears and our 53-man roster. So until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.